Hello everyone. Welcome again to the Dewpoint Report, the Digital Electronic World Point Report. And today my episode focuses on Black History Month. I'll be back in a moment with readings. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of the Digital Electronic World Point Report with your hostess, Margarita. I begin with a reading. In sum, my mother viewed religion through the eyes of the anthropologist that she would become. It was a phenomena to be treated with a suitable respect, but with a suitable detachment as well. Moreover, as a child, I rarely came in contact with those who might offer a substantially different view of faith. My father was almost entirely absent from my childhood, having been divorced from my mother when I was two years old in any event. Although my father had been raised a Muslim, by the time he met my mother, he was a confirmed atheist, thinking religion to be so much superstition. Like the mumbo-jumbo of witch doctors that he had witnessed in the Kenyan villages of his youth. When my mother remarried, it was to an Indonesian with an equally skeptical bent, a man who saw religion as not particularly useful. in the practical business of making one's way in the world, and who had grown up in a country that easily blended its Islamic faith with remnants of Hinduism and Buddhism and ancient animist traditions. During the five years that he would live with my stepmother in Indonesia, I was sent first to a neighborhood Catholic school, then to a predominantly Muslim school. In both cases, my mother was less concerned with me learning the catechism or puzzling out the meaning of the Muzin's call to evening prayer than she was with whether I was properly learning my multiplication table. And yet, for all her professed secularism, my mother was in many ways the most spiritually awakened person that I've ever known. She had an unswerving instinct for kindness, charity, and love, and spent much of her life acting on that instinct, sometimes to her detriment. However, without the help of religious texts, or outside authorities, she worked mightily to instill in me the values that many Americans learn in Sunday school. Honesty, empathy, discipline, delayed gratification, and hard work. She raged at poverty and injustice and scorned those who were indifferent to those. 
brief moment after that reading, I would like to say that this reading shows very much that in our youth, we can all be inculcated with knowledge that becomes foundational to our existence as we traverse through our life. Because it is, after all, our human gimbal that helps us find our center. Inevitably, we become the scientists that we need to be. It just so happens that the man who wrote the book I was reading from right now became president. He followed his goals, his aspirations. And why is this important? Because we should all be able to follow our goals and our aspirations, particularly because it is true that we cannot be, as the Samuel Beckett play would denote, waiting for Godot, because anyone who has read it or watched it knows that Godot never you see, it's a funny thing about goals, personal goals. They don't accomplish themselves. You have to actually work at it, plan. Let me speak a little further as to why I began with the reading in such a direct manner. In light of the fact that it is almost the end of Black History Month, Many of you might have been wondering, why isn't it that I have not begun an episode on readings, such as I have before? Why isn't it that I have not begun walking around talking about Black History Month and the house I grew up in, and education and the connectivity, the connective tissue that exists between where I grew up, the values that have been instilled in me, and the experiences that surrounded my existence as a child to how important education has been all through my life. Well, I certainly hope you hadn't thought that I was forgetting, but I do want to make a point to say the following. We do not always see ourselves at the precipice of history, nor the dynamism that shapes it. Yet, many of our decisions reflect the strength of our values, and we often prevail through the sorrow that we experience in ways that are symbolic of that. That's true. It really reflects exactly who we are based on the moments that we experience, which some think of as turmoil. But we should really... Think of it a little further as this. It should not be turmoil, which some call tribulations, that we await to awaken our human spirit. We should have that strength of human spirit around us and within us at all times. After all, 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was fortunate because he was writing his speeches before he was saying them. He had the gift of public oration. So many people heard his speeches often. And not everyone has the gift of the ability to speak in public the way some people do. So it is important for us to note that just because we may not be able to articulate our goals and aspirations, it doesn't mean we cannot pursue them. But it is important to note, though, however, that he had a very special pulpit from which to speak from. And his was a magical time, era, that he was able to put his thoughts to a very specific, knowledgeable strength. And what our country has been through over the last decade and the last few years with such movements as Black Lives Matter, one has seen a generational shift in what Dr. Martin Luther King talked about when he talked about the content of one's character to what our country has developed as a national way of conversing about discourse and how that actually is not just national, it is international in many movements beyond Black Lives Matter. And it doesn't just come up for conversation during Black History Month. Don't get me wrong, but some of you heard me say earlier in one of my episodes that I would not be commenting on Black History Month because I had been, it had been expressed to me that I was not a person who should comment on these things. Now, that is telling of the very fact that I am not African American, I am not Black, but what we have learned as a society is that the very movements, such as the civil rights movement, the movements that created the Voting Rights Act, the specific rights for women to vote, and many other rights that I could go on and talk about that developed into acts, into laws, didn't just include one group of people. They included a plethora of community members who understood the adversity that people were facing. And this is why it is important for me to say something that had not been said previously, perhaps as clearly as needed. It should be noted that some in the Black Lives Matter movement have thought, and broadly, not just the Black Lives Matter movement, but in, in the Black community, that my mother's comments were not appropriate. Comments that she made during a StoryCorps interview in 2010. Her comments were, Nos metimos a trabajar como esclavos. Translated to, We went to work like slaves. I will explain what that means in the context of my apology in a moment. This statement, taken as a snippet, will offend many. I was upset 
when I heard it played back. It makes people emotional. It would make anyone emotional, as I said, if they didn't understand the context. But we must really understand that context. These are not analogies or comparisons anyone should make, particularly when they have not experienced slavitude. Human trafficking, Israel, and so is slavery. And so by no means did my mother expect to put herself in the same category as a person who had been human trafficked or was sold into slavery. But I apologize on behalf of my mother, Placida Alvarez de Carrillo, who is now deceased. If this statement offended anyone in the black community or allies of the black community, of which I am, by the way, which those of you who know me know me well, she raised us, her children, to respect all humans, and that's how we have lived our lives. She adored this great American democracy that she participated in and received two awards while she was alive. One in 1976 and one in the 1990s. And she was also ecstatic for many of the accomplishments that her children achieved over the years particularly in education, and I can tell you that the day that I met the 44th president, she was extremely proud of me. And she also happened to have the television on the day that I was at the inauguration of the 44th president of the United States, and she said, oh, there you were. And the news cameras just saw you as you waved at the camera. And she said she was so proud of you. We often talked about politics in a way that she could understand them. And it was fun for her. But I do have to say that she explained what it meant when I asked her about this comment because it was disconcerting. She explained she was talking about what it meant to work on a farm picking berries which was very similar to being owned by someone else's interests, especially when they said to her she wasn't the fastest picker, but it was a good thing her kids made up the difference. When they were picking, when my siblings and my mother were picking berries in the fields, there were eight children with my mother, and that is the context that I explained this to you in. By the time I was born and my uh, other brother was born, he's number nine and I'm number 10, just to give you context, uh, neither of us, nine or 10, worked in the fields. And my mother would often say to me, I do not want you to go through what I went through. It was difficult enough. That was the feeling that she had in her younger years because it was difficult and she knew it was necessary to keep a family together and 
she didn't often speak about the details of it, but because I asked her, she gave me that understanding. And at the time of her interview for StoryCorps in 2010, she was already five years into the cognitive breakdown that would inflict her further, which was Alzheimer's and subsequently a diagnosis of glioblastoma. Eventually, she would not recognize most of her children or most of her experiences, even the slightest awareness of who she had been as a strength. However, this doesn't take away the kindness that she was to many people. And so you wonder, why did I read from President Obama's book on hope? And why did I choose the portion on religion? And why did I talk about Dr. Martin Luther King? Because they both have very strong speeches about hope, faith, and society. Kindness, charity, and compassion. And it's interesting to me that we can sometimes find ourselves in those moments of kindness, which is what that StoryCorps interview was for. It was to record her experiences as a Latina farm worker and as a woman and what it took to put the strength of energy and keep a family together and have people turn that around in a different way, not understanding the conflict. And so I say to you this, with so much conflict in the world, let's learn to take a page from our respected elders, such as those that I have read from, and others we might know in our communities, whose wisdom reminds us that forgiveness is essential. It is interesting that we tend to forgive some and not others, but we should really understand the context of why forgiveness really does make a difference. I have had people curse her grave and try to dishonor her legacy. An effort to make us, her children, make amends for a comment she made and later understood was not appropriate. After I spoke to her, she realized it was not what she intended to say, and that if people had interpreted incorrectly, she was apologizing. But she, my mother, was not the kind of person that would stand at a podium or a dais and make this kind of statement. But clearly she had not been trafficked or enslaved, and I want that to be clear, because those are egregious situations for those who are. I am sorry the rest of my siblings are not here at this moment to express this apology. But should you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email me or subscribe to my Facebook page, my, excuse me, my YouTube page, or send me a comment to any of my other social media pages. I shall remind you also that it was Maya Angelou who also often talked about the caged bird. Yet, we should be all reminded that it is our mind that is easily set free. With what, you might wonder? With knowledge, perseverance, 
and fortitude. Thank you all, and do have a fantastic day. Enjoy the rest of Black History Month. If you haven't learned important facts about some of the Black leaders everywhere in the world or here in the United States, do take a moment. Knowledge is important. And then as the next month goes on and there are other people to learn about, remember, it is about the content for a character. We all contribute to society in different ways. You see, my mother had a deep, deep faith. And her compassion for others was well known and understood. And though she may not have shared the same color of the skin of the men that I quoted in their books, she shared a similar sense of values and construct of understanding of morality. After all, we are human, are we not? And it is true, Godot never shows up.